Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. My name is Caitlin Legreas, and I'm the founder of Be Her Village. Be Her Village is an online gift registry for what moms really need, support, not stuff. We're talking to providers and people who care for moms in their pregnancy, their birth, their postpartum. We're talking to real moms and hearing their stories and really just getting into all the good stuff that comes along with new parenthood. So check us out, tune in, and let us know what you think. Hello, hello. This is Janelle with the Be Her Village podcast. I'm super excited to introduce this week's episode. It's with a dear friend of mine. Caitlin is talking with Brian Costello, and they're talking about his home births. Well, the home births that him and his wife had, I should say. In this episode, we get to talk about the partner perspective of pregnancy, birth, and navigating parenthood as they have two little ones who are two and just a couple months old now. So in this episode, they talk about what it's like to have to kind of give up control in terms of being able to fix things and sometimes even do anything and what that was like for Brian and in his experience you know, coming from being a business owner and a coach and a doer to having to then kind of sit back to sort of allow the natural process of pregnancy and birth to just happen where he couldn't always have an active part in that and what that was like for him. They talk about doulas and why doulas are so important for partners, why they're not a threat and why they are so, so, so helpful And they also talk about this idea of having realistic expectations where you're not focused only on this is rainbows and butterflies. And you're also keeping yourself protected from horrible stories that scare you and make you dwell on negative, awful things that most likely won't happen. But finding a balance of having some sort of a plan and understanding that sometimes the plan doesn't go the right way and really being okay with whatever outcome. So I think this episode is great for soon-to-be dads or partners of any kind who are stepping into this world of pregnancy and birth and sort of a new perspective on, you know, what to expect while you are the onlooker and not the active person in birth. So share this with a dad-to-be or somebody else who you know is going to give birth soon and enjoy. Um, so for full disclosure for everyone who's listening, I was your doula for your first and second babies, which are yeah. all of your babies <laughs> at this point. But, but I remember distinctly at the second one, we were all planning like the date and time of the third baby. So <laughs> I expect a call later this year. Yes. Give us a little more time, a little bit of a bigger gap this time, we think, but you know, don't, don't go too far. I won't. I won't. You guys are one of the few people that I will go back on call for and support because I love oh. you all. Um, so let's talk about it. I think, um, I think the partner perspective is so important and not often talked about. And I think you have a really great way of just speaking about and thinking about things. And I would love to kind of just get into what it's like to be the father, what it's like to be the husband, what it's like to be the partner who's watching 
and experiencing pregnancy and birth and parenthood, but mm -hmm. not as the person whose body is changing and going yeah. through that. Um, so I think probably the easiest place to start is just like kind of chronologically. Uh, yeah. What was it like for you supporting Brienne through her pregnancy? What was your experience of the pregnancy? Um, yeah, so, well, I'll, I'll, before I answer that, I'll say I do agree with you that the partner perspective, um, I think can be really valuable, but it's not as um, often that you hear the partner perspective. And I know that during the process, for us leading into our decision on whether or not we wanted to do home birth or how we wanted to do it and all that stuff, um, the few times I did hear partner perspectives, it was very enlightening and very profound um, just to hear, a, you know, a different point of view. And for me specifically, because, you know, I, I was hearing plenty of, of um, viewpoints from the, the female side, but I wanted to hear from the, from the partner side. So, um, so the pregnancies, um, the... It, it was interesting the, you know, the, the whole kind of thing from my perspective is like, I can't really, or it, it seemingly can't do too much. Right. You, we feel very like, okay, this is sort of out of my hands. Um, it's not really, but it's our immediate instinct. I think as, as, as uh, men or I mean, it doesn't, it's not always men, but for me, particularly being a male partner and the kind of masculine mindset of like, we want, you know, to be kind of in control, kind of doing, you know, action oriented, solution oriented, make it happen, get it done kind of thing. And all of a sudden we're in this position where we can't do so much, you know, it's just like, we're more there for support and just like connecting and, and hearing and listening to her needs and what she, what she wants, what she needs, how she's feeling, all those types of things. And then in many cases, based on what she's telling me, I still might not be able to do much other than continue to just comfort and support and, and all those things. So having, you know, that felt different, felt different than what our relationship had felt like in the past and, and just what my life sort of feels like normally in, in general. Um, I own a business. I'm a, a boss. I have employees. I'm used to kind of like being like the decision maker and making things happen and con taking control all the time. And all of a sudden it's now a more passive a passive position for me. So that's, that was the, the, the biggest change. I, I don't know if it was, I never felt like, you know, I didn't have a lot of like negative feelings. It was just different. You know, it was just different than I expected. And I had to continue to just remember that, you know, this is all, uh, you know, stuff that she intuitively knows how to do and has all the tools and things that she needs. And I don't need to be the one to, to have all the answers. Right. So, so that was one of the biggest things. And then, you know, just moving through the pregnancy, it was, it was a great experience for me to just observe and learn and learn alongside of her. You know, she was doing a lot of research, reading books, like Natural Mama, it was called Natural Mama, I think it was one of the books that we really liked. And she was kind of reading it and sharing it with me, you know, pretty much every step of the way. And the, I think the education side of it was really important it was also enlightening it was also you know helped us connect and you know learn together and discuss some things and and then also the obviously the the decision making process of like throughout the pregnancy how, how to you know the lifestyle we wanted to live during pregnancy things you know eating sleeping all that stuff which was very important to us just discussing it and you know discussing what's the biggest priorities and then you know whether or not we're going to do home birth and what that would look like and the, the 
risk rewards factors, all that stuff. It just, it really brought us closer and um, forced, I don't say forced, but, you know, created a, a, a space for us to connect more deeply and share more deeply about things that are really important to us. And overall, it was a very positive experience, you know? Yeah. And, uh, luckily, I, we, look, I was going to say one last thing. Luckily, we agreed on most things, you know, so that made things right. easier. I know that's not always the case, but we were fortunate enough to pretty much be on the same, seeing it the same way. Yeah, this is all, I feel like there's so many things I want to touch on. Number one, when I, when you began talking about like going from this place where you are the boss and like not in your relationship, but in your professional world, mm -hmm. but then even in your relationship pre-pregnancy, there's there's this masculine urge to like fix, you mm -hmm. know, and it, and it feels from what you said, like when pregnancy starts happening, it's, there's this like lack of control. There's a little bit of helplessness that, yeah. that comes with it, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think it's kind of part of the natural process, but it, yeah. that could be a, a sticky point for some people. And it's interesting because pregnancy, I think there's this like idea that, I don't know, it just changes the woman's life. You know, it just, her body changes, everything shifts for her and the guy just keeps going to work and keeps coming home and there's not really a shift mm -hmm. for him. But what you're describing is actually a huge shift from, you know, from someone who can take action to do things to someone who has to kind of sit back and let her take the way, let her educate you, have the information and mm -hmm. it shifts the relationship pretty early on. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the word that popped to my mind was like a practice of kind of surrendering some of the, that, you know, control or, I guess, yeah, control, I guess would be the word. Um, but really that was preparation because, you know, during the actual birth, which I'm sure, which we'll get to here, you know, that's, that's where I really have to focus on that surrender and trusting her and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's not just at the birth though. It starts earlier on. It's, yeah, it's so funny because I, as becoming a mother and birthing, it's been like this process of realizing that the whole pregnancy is the preparation for the labor and birth. Yeah. And the whole labor and birth is just preparation for parenthood <laughs> because, because we think we have control, right? We like start out as like childless people mm -hmm. and the world centers around us just naturally. That's the state we're in and then pregnancy and then birth. And then, Oh God, there's like this little being that actually has all the control and yeah. yet thinks that they have none and then fight us for it. It's quite a right. dynamic. Um, yeah. I would love to, before we move on to what the labor and birth mm -hmm. look like, I would love to talk a little bit about what that decision-making process looked like for you, because, you know, you said you guys agreed on a lot, so it, it went fairly smoothly, but I, as a doula, I have seen many, many, many couples many women say, I want this, but my husband would never go for it. I want this. My husband's not comfortable with it. And there's this, you know, pull of, and oftentimes in those, in those situations, it's often that the woman has done the research. She understands what she wants based on information. And the husband isn't doing the research and is going on this like emotional you know, he has a fear maybe instilled in him from childhood or just like movies or, you know, like, and there's this like resistance to information. So you, can you talk a little bit more about where you started? I'd love to hear, I know where you guys ended up. You ended up giving birth in your living room twice, right? So, so where did you start? Did you ever have a feeling or a sense about the type of birth that your partner would have? Or 
where did you begin in the beginning? Yeah, uh, good question. So when Brianne first uh, became pregnant with her first child, Renly, we were kind of in the midst, or we had been now for a few years, really changing our lifestyle quite a bit, where um, we were always very much into fitness because I owned a gym, a CrossFit gym with a big community, and that was kind of our life. Uh, I had sold that a couple years before she was born, and we had started to really explore health a little bit more deeply and more like holistically. So um, just a lot of just connecting with nature. We changed the way we were eating and sleeping and all these things and just kind of started getting exposed to more uh, ways of thinking other than just like the traditional conventional decisions regarding anything. And um, so our minds were in a good place. They were very, you know, pretty open. Um, we were pretty keen on the you know just or what's the word um, aware of a lot of uh the downsides of just conventional medicine and and things that could possibly go wrong and that there's a lot you know layers of of there's layers to the whole you know modern healthcare modern medicine stuff right and there's problems in all of those layers and um, we just like whether or not they were true or false, or whatever, you just know that there's things to learn and, and things to, to look into. Um, so we were pretty open. And I remember actually a member of our gym when we, when we still owned it, um, had get done a home birth uh, a year or two earlier. And we kind of thought it was a little crazy, you know, like, wow, home birth, like you delivered in the bathtub. Like that's nuts. You know? I mean, I've like already had a home birth and I still think it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, so, but, but it, we weren't like, oh my God, I would never do that kind of thing. It was just sort of like planted this seed in our mind. And he was just so cool, like calm about it. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like how, you know, it's how birthing used to be, you know? And um, we had like, kind of talked about at the time, like, well, would we ever do that? I don't know. It's kind of crazy, whatever. A couple of years later, like, you know, the topic came up again. And I, I can't remember, but I, I was kind of like, leaning towards it myself but I knew it wasn't going to be up to me and I had a feeling it could be a tough sell on her and, or, and her family and all that stuff and I wasn't like oh what we have to do it this way I was just like Let, let's explore it and um but really Brienne her first she went to um her first appointment or her first OB appointment first and only ever OB appointment and you know right after we found out she was pregnant and it was just not a, a good experience it was very impersonal um, they're like, she remembers, you know, she kind of tells her, like, no one even said like, Oh, congratulations or anything. It just went right to like the paperwork. How do you feel? What is this? Blah, 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 blah. And then, um, the doctor came in and she was, uh, he was immediately again, just kind of right to write down the business and going through the checklist. And when she, I, I believe it was either a five week or eight week sonogram he suggested. And she said, you know, I, I don't really feel comfortable doing a sonogram yet. I'd, I'd like to wait. And he immediately like was like, you can't wait. You know, the baby could have you know this. She could have, you could have this. You could die. You know, like really like fear based, like very aggressively fear based. And she was like, what, 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 what's going on? You know, and she left there just like, I'm, that's no, this is not what we're doing. And uh, I I forget if we what what happened next. If we immediately contacted guy or who I don't remember what, like, how we bridged that gap specifically. But the idea of doing it a different way immediately became uh, the conversation. And um, so then we know, but we had a lot of research to do. All we remembered was our one friend from the gym that all we ever knew. So um, 
she started doing, she started researching the most, right? And, and this is like to your point of what usually happens. The mother's out there kind of doing research, connecting. I forget exactly what and where what she was doing, but she was finding stuff, podcasts and whatnot like this. What we did well though, the key was she was relaying things back to me constantly, right? And luckily I was already in a place where I was pretty open to it and actually maybe even more open than her at first. So I was very receptive, but it did, I still needed that to hear these kind of stories and to just hear like the, the actual facts about like the stats and things regarding safety and regarding transitions to, you know, how often that happens. You know, I was still in the place where I thought that this was a very risky thing, you know, and um, it was important to do that kind of research and communicate it and talk about it uh, because it helped me realize like, oh, it's really not that risky. In fact, it may even be safer depending on how you look at it and what's more important to you. So the communication side, I think is really clear. And I know for men, again, if we're not doing it, and this sounds crazy, you know, for home birth specifically. And um, I, I think for men, what I would suggest, if there's any men listening to this, and if there's fear, you know, that emotional response of like, I don't know, I don't like this, it's fear, you know, like really just um, to, to sit with that a little bit and ask yourself like, well, where's the fear coming from? Is it, am I afraid if, if some, I think everyone's like, well, if something went wrong, I would never be able to live with myself kind of thing. Well, that can happen either way, right? Something could go wrong home or in the hospital. And ultimately that's a result of which way we, we decided to, to choose. Um, is it more of like, because, in the hospital, something goes wrong. I can like, you know, there's, it's easy to like, it's not my fault kind of thing where at home it would feel like it was my fault. Um, is that it? Or is it the, again, the control thing where like I, it's, I can't do it. So I feel more comfortable being in a hospital with, uh, with doctors or, or, you know, do I truly trust the, the nature of the female body and what, you know, what it's capable of and the, kind of the, the feminine force and, and, and the midwives and the duels and everybody else on that side. Like, um, ultimately, I have to put my trust in someone else. And if I don't trust one side or another, what, why not? And uh, what am I really uh, afraid of? And, and am I willing to challenge myself on that? You know, am I open to hearing other opinions, listening to things like this, reading articles? If, if I'm not going to be open, I think if, if a, a husband is not really open to other ideas, but has a strong opinion, that's not very fair, right? It's like, you're more, obviously we can all have our, our opinions, but we should really be having those opinions based on hearing all of the information that's available. Absolutely, I love that. And what I'm thinking about as I listen to this is how this decision about where to birth and who's on your support team and, and all of these, there's just, when, you, when it comes to pregnancy and birth and parenting, there's just nothing but decisions to be made. It really is almost like, it's a test of your relationship in a lot of ways. Because it's not like, you know, hunky-dory and you're just like walking through this life totally unscathed and then suddenly you have this tough decision. It's like, it's just one of many decisions that you have to communicate on and leave room for the other person. And, mm -hmm. and it's super gray and super murky and there's not necessarily a right or a wrong, but it's, it, it's really about the communication factor and about, you know, allowing space for those feelings. Because, a partner that's not necessarily open is valid also, you know, like it's not, 
ideal, but it's just, it's like, it's also really valid for them to have fears. And, but often those fears are based on something being closed off and not being able to, it's like a, it's a cycle, right? Where we're afraid. So we can't take more information in, but like the reason we're afraid is because we're not able to take more information. Yeah. In. Um, so I would like to talk about midwives and doulas. Um, so one thing I just want to state for, for everything you just said was so beautiful. And I just want to put this like little asterisk for people. Cause this isn't like a pro home birth podcast. Yeah, it just happens right. to be that you guys had home births. Um, that it's, it's not necessarily like this choice of hospital with providers or home birth, trusting the feminine sense. Like there's medical providers at home birth. It's, it's not like, there's a lot of trust and like understanding, but there's also like people with drugs and tools and, yes. and medical knowledge. The other thing I'd like to, to address is just the idea of hiring a doula. So obviously you guys hire doulas for both births and I was lucky enough to attend both of your births. One of the things that I hear so, so often, and it's one of the the, like when I'm meeting with a couple that's considering a doula, I often address the partner first and not um, the pregnant person because often the pregnant person or the woman is the reason why we're in the room with them. It's typically the partner who's like got some sort of skepticism of either, of either just feeling neutral, like they don't understand the benefit or feeling like doulas are a threat. And I can do, I can support my woman. I can, I can do everything I need to do for her. Why am I going to pay money for somebody else to take my place? So I'd love to hear what your feeling and perspective. How did you learn about doulas? How did you feel about having a doula before the birth? And then what was it like actually? Yeah. Doula support? That's a great question. I think I think I was also a little skeptical at first as well. Like, well, yeah, like, why, why do we need this? Like, I support you. We have this relation, you know, like, I'm going to be there for you and all that stuff. But once I learned more about it and understand, in my mind, the way I understand it is like the duel is pretty much there for the, the, uh, the birther, the, the wife, the woman, and the, um, the midwife is more there for the, the, the baby, right? The delivery side. Like, that's just kind of the loose frame I have in my mind. So when I, kind of saw it that way and understood it I was like okay um again I feel confident in my ability to support and all these things but I've never done this before you know what I mean and again there's some fear around like how this is going to go and all these things and it, it, you know I, I just personally in my life I'm I'm always looking to if there's someone that's done something before like if I'm going to do something and I can learn from somebody who's done it before like I immediately gravitate towards that person whether it's hiring a mentor, a business coach, a actual you know, health coach, whatever. Um, I just, I've always found that the experience is someone else's experience is so is the best, uh, is incredibly valuable. So once I just got a more clear idea of what it was for and how it worked, it, it seems, I can't remember, like now it feels like a no brainer, but I don't remember at the time it felt like fully like a no brainer, but I was I was definitely open to it. Um, our financial situation at the time was was really tight, um, and that was definitely a factor. But at the same time, I to like potentially have somebody there or not who can make a a, a big difference in the overall experience. Not just being like oh, it was just making it a better experience, but making it actually the having the birth actually go the way we were hoping and planning or not 
to me, there wasn't really, you know, at what point, what price can you put on that? Right. So, you know, we were in a really tough position, but we were willing to do whatever it took to, to make that happen. So anyway, so we went and, and obviously chose to, to do it that way. And it was really uh, right off the bat. It immediately was um, it, uh, uh, confirming that there was the right decision because we were able to participate in some things beforehand. And this was uh, with true birth at the time. And we were doing, we did some exercise. We met with the group and, and all these things and realized, okay, there's like preparation to be done. This isn't just someone that just shows up on the day of the birth and, and like, hey, nice to meet you, right? We were able to connect ahead of time, feel comfortable, get things explained to us of what you'd be able to really do and how you'd be able to help and the, what the value was, not just like, oh, here's what it costs. Like, well, what's the actual value? Um, and it, it immediately was comforting and confirming that that was the right decision. And then, of course, when you arrived and when we first got there, or I think actually Brienne called you first when we were first starting, you know, whatever, and you were able to immediately, the value was uh, um, recognizable right away. You were able to talk before you even got there, just on the phone, just to talking to her, kind of coaching her through what she was feeling. Um, you know, our situation specifically, she, she used a Foley balloon to, to naturally induce, and it was like zero to 100 really fast. So she was like, oh my God, what's going on? And you were able to kind of talk through it and coach her. And, and then basically like, all right, I'm, I'm heading over, you know, and then uh, I immediately, like when you arrived, I immediately felt so much better because I was like, okay, someone's here who's been here before, who's done these things before and is not freaking out. <laughs> you know, like we were kind of like, oh, is this okay? This seems fast. Like, you know, uh, of course. And then like, you know, the fears were kicking up of like, uh, was this the right decision and all that stuff. And then you were immediately there and just a, a calming presence of like, yeah, no, this is, this is how it goes. This is how it works. And uh, you were, again, like you played that role of being there for her right off the bat. It was just, um, you know, putting pressure on her low back, talking to her through the contractions, things I had, you know, did not know how to do, even though, again, I was like, oh, no, I know how to support. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff, obviously. So I was able to learn from you. You were able to show me some things to help. And then um, because it was a long, a, a long labor through the night where we, we tried to take turns sleeping and things like that, to have an extra, you know, she was pretty much up the whole time. So to have someone there to always be with her or helping us when we needed to be with her, um, there was, you know, at, at no point in time was I like, what is this, you know, why do we need this? Do like that, those thoughts were gone immediately. And I was very, uh, very happy with the situation and very glad to have you there. Awesome. Well, I was very glad to be there. Yeah, I think what you just described is something that took me as a doula a long time to figure out because I would, I would do that. I would talk on the phone with a couple or, and typically I would actually, when it was time to come in, you know, it's time to get in. Cause you like check in with the woman often throughout the day. And then you get a call from her partner and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, now she can't even get on the phone. It's time. Um, but I would show up to births and as like a newer doula, I would show up to births and I would not like, if there's an exercise in like, and this is an internal thing for me of like feeling like I had to do something to like produce doula work, you know, and I would feel not valuable. You know, I would sit there and, and not understand how I was adding value to a situation until after the birth, they would say to me, Oh my God, he was freaking out before you walked in the door. And as soon as you walked in the door, it, the whole situation calmed down, which is why from my perspective, I'm like, why don't, what am I even doing here? Everyone's so calm and it's all just unfolding, you know? Right. Um, but I think that there's this feeling of 
you you've never seen your partner in that state before and it's really hard to show up to emotionally support her when you don't know if it's an emergency when you don't know if you're supposed to like bring her to the hospital you know so to have somebody come in who's seen hundreds of births and just look at her and be like cool you know it's just like another day at the office it really takes the whole anxiety level down an incredible amount so i'm glad to hear that that was your experience absolutely and um and i'll backtrack one step too because to talk about just like how there's also the the medical aspect in the home birth as well when colleen arrived as the midwife and stuff and i saw how it wasn't just you know like giving it's not like just giving birth in the woods like you know there's not a, like midwives uh, show up with like crystals and sage like uh, they, they have equipment <laughs> yes there's equipment and it was like she's like with her assistant tracking everything you know talking back and forth taking you know reading the, the heart rates and this and that and doing all the testing and like and between both sides i was like whew, i immediately felt like an overwhelming i actually felt i, I talked about it afterwards in both um births but this one I wasn't as surprised, but the first time I told you, I was like, I was surprisingly calm. Like I felt, you know, once it was like going and we were like, all right, we're in it now, kind of just working through the labor. I, I, I really felt so much more calm than I expected and, and wasn't like, oh my God, what's going on here? You know, once I, like, the initial shock, we we're in it. Um, I felt surprisingly calm and that was due to both, you know, both sides of that and, and the support team and everybody there. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that was your experience. I would love for you to sort of walk us through for people who are listening to this and their wife or their girlfriend or their partner is pregnant and they have, you know, part of the issue in America, right. And maybe across the world is that birth is behind closed doors. We Mm -hmm. don't see it. It's not in the communities. It's not in the homes. We're not watching labor. All we see are like 30 second horrifying, like water breaks, woman screams, baby comes out on Hollywood in Hollywood. So, for the people who are have never experienced birth and labor as a partner, what was it like? Like, what did Brienne look like? What were the scary parts? What were the cool parts? What were the gross parts? Like, what mm-hmm. what did yeah. it feel like to be the partner in the room? Yeah. Um, so one uh, one thing I'll say first though too is like because so I recently shared a video. So both times we had some video clips and. Um, I, I have some experience with editing and I, I really feel I go back and forth on whether or not I want to share that stuff and, and whatnot. Brianne, like sometimes like uh, big on sharing it because she knows she's like giving labor and like, you know, I mean in labor or giving birth, I should say, and not feeling super like pretty and stuff. But I think it's important to share because of, like you said, mostly what people see are these misconstrued, you know, Hollywood, like if they see anything. So to be able to share, shed some light on the fact that this was a, a beautiful, peaceful, you know, amazing experience, uh, I think can be really uh, helpful for people who are maybe you know on the fence or whatever. But uh, yeah, so the experience itself, though, it, it, like you said before, it's hard. It's hard to see your my wife all of a sudden like just thrusted into this place of like pain and discomfort and and all these things, and and again feel kind of helpless and being able to do much about. It. I mean. Again, we can you know, put pressure on her back and like, you know, talk her through certain things, but we can't make the pain go away, right? So that, that was tough at first, especially with Renly, the first, the, uh, the first one, because it was so long. Uh, Riker, uh, I, 
Riker felt to me like a picnic compared to Renly because it just seemed so much shorter. It didn't go through the night. Um, you know, I, I, I'm careful not, you know, when I say that to her because it, I know it still didn't, it didn't feel like a still, to her. Still feeling that nearly nine pound baby. Yes. <laughs> but you're right. I, she was, I think I was there for two hours, maybe. Yeah. When he came, right. yeah. I think Colleen arrived around six thirty, and um, the, you know he was born at nine thirty. So the whole thing was, was really a much more uh, brief. But yeah, she wouldn't use the word picnic to describe <laughs> it. Um, but uh, so, so but if we're gonna of, give new dads tips, maybe number one is don't describe labor as a picnic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, so it was like, it was challenging, you know, because I was, she just, I was like, I, want, I would do anything to make this pain go away. And, but there's, you know, again, there's nothing I could really do there. And, um, you know, just through the night, you know, trying to sleep, she kept waking up and just hurting and rolling over and uh, in like essentially agony. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing. It, it's very challenging. And I, there were points where I, I, you know, I felt very calm, like I said, but there were certain points where I'm like, oh man, like, is this, is this okay? Is this normal for it to go this long? Or is this like, is this a bad sign? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, obviously with, between you and Colleen and everybody being so calm and, and you know, uh, collected over it, uh, it, it assured me that everything was okay. But the, those feelings are, na- I think, probably common and natural to be like, is this, is this right? Like, is this supposed to be this long? Is this happening? Like, is this stalling? Is this, you know, whatever? Do we need to transition or um, all this stuff? Uh, but it's just, it's just tough. And um, I think that's where the preparation comes in. You know, the second time around, I was, I mean, I, both times I was pretty prepared, but the second time I knew what to expect a little bit more. And my preparation was, was remembering that, hey, I'm not going to be able to do too much to make like the pain go away or to actually like the, whether or not the birthing goes as planned isn't, you know, there's not much I can do to determine whether or not the birthing is gonna go as planned or to, you know, like I said, to make uh, Brianne feel better or be in less pain or any of those things. But that's where I turn to just like my trust in, again, her as a woman and her power and her strength in our intuition and our natural design that this has been done billions of times and will continue to be done billions of times. And um, it's what she's designed to do. She has every bit of ability and skill and, and information inside of her to know exactly what to do and at what time and when and where. And the baby does too, right? The baby's just doing what it's supposed to do um, there's no real, like, um, I don't want to say you can't make a mistake, but it's like, there's not, there's not, it's, it's like a, a surrender, right? It's just, she's just more kind of letting it happen. And the baby's letting it happen and I'm letting it happen. And we're all kind of just trusting that and surrendering to it. And for me, the preparation was coming back to that and knowing that in those moments, I'm, I was just going to have to be able to do that. So I wasn't, you know, just from the scary, you know, there wasn't as much fear this time or scariness, but like seeing her just in pain, just sweating and breathing and screaming and like, it, it was, it can be uncomfortable for sure. But um, there was an enormous amount of screaming in that first birth. <laughs> A lot of That's, you know, again, and I thought in my mind, I was like, okay, she's going to scream like that at the end for a little bit. But yeah. for you know, fifteen hours on and off of, of screaming, like, holy crap! You know, I think it's funny too because there's this 
sense of like home birth, if you look up home birth videos, which, you know, I highly recommend everybody watch as many birth videos as you can, but like, there's just like, there's always these women who are like so peaceful and calm. It's, it's a little bit like your videos, well edited, you know, yeah. to, to right. like, to just take all of the screaming out and like yeah. put some nice music over it. And like, and there's these montage and there's these like totally peaceful women who just like breathe and like a baby emerges from the pool. Yeah. It caught me off guard at my home birth, like just how much screaming there was and yeah. how much pain there was because mm -hmm. Because there's, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that home birth is painless and yeah. quiet and peaceful. And like, that's not true. It's all the things that come along with any birth. They just happen to be in your living room for a exactly. home birth. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point. And um, yeah, when, when, when I edit the videos and stuff, yeah, it's not to like, you know, mislead anybody. Right. <laughs> but it's just, you, no one really wants And Brianna's just like, I don't want, she didn't want like her screaming in the video. It's not really like a pleasant thing necessarily, unless you're there and you're like, you know, love the person that you're part of it. But, uh, but yeah, I think though too, it's important. I, I think though in nature in something like this is, is it's not always pretty and peaceful. Right. Like, but the end result is right it's still the end result of this beautiful thing even though there's blood and fluids and screaming and um it's just if we can still see the beauty in that not necessarily just like like, see, like seeing the beauty in that and a pre almost like getting a deeper appreciation for that side of it for the work that needs to be done for the fear that needs to be overcome for the endurance and the strength and to do this for 15 hours, you know, and just like what the body, the human body is physically capable of to see that all as part of it, as, as, as the miracle that it is, uh, I think is, is important, right. To not say like all like that that's bad or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's like Brianne would say, and I'm sure most women would say they don't feel pretty during it. They don't look like, you know, they're just, they're grunting and screaming and sweating and whatever and all this stuff. But um, if we can uh, just, I guess, accept that for, for as part of the experience, I think it's, uh, it adds to the beauty. Um, yeah. The, so she was doing the first birth, she was doing some hypno birthing meditations and stuff. And it was kind of, she was too late to join the classes and do it like with a teacher, but she was doing the recordings and meditations and it did maybe mislead us a little bit like that she was going to be able to just, you know, breathe through the contractions and not let it like feel the pain and stuff. Um, not to say like the program isn't good or anything like that, but she kind of joking like that went out like first contractions and that was like out the window. You know? like, um, it could be misleading. It's, it's not pain free. It's not fear free um, but it's uh, for us it was still the the, the, the decision that uh, we felt was best but uh, yeah there's no real there's no way around that I don't think yeah well this is exactly why we're having that conversation though because I think I think maybe some people do have pain free and fear free birds using hypno tools and you know it just I think there's a lot of variations of normal. Yes. And the more we can talk about the real perspective of it, the better for sure. Um, I would like to ask kind of a personal question. And if you're not comfortable, we'll just cut the whole thing. But one of the things that women that I speak to and myself included talk about is this 
like feeling with birth and specifically like with birth and breastfeeding and, and the sense of our bodies kind of going from like this thing that we use for pleasure, right? Like we're with our partner and we're having sex and we're like physically having a great relationship. And then suddenly motherhood kind of thrusts our body into this utilitarian use, right? And, And I think a lot of women struggle with that. And I think a lot of relationships and partnerships struggle with that. So I wonder if you could give us a little insight into like what that was like for you to go from, you know, a couple without children who... I'm assuming have like a thriving sex life and a physical relationship, how, what it was like to kind of have your, your partner's body become a tool for, for growing a baby and then nourishing that baby. What is that? Like, not only in like the larger sense, but also I'm imagining that some men I've seen them in the hospital room um, that are listening to this are like, I am not looking down there. I don't want to see a baby coming out. I don't want to see blood. The whole thing like kind of grosses them out. Yeah. So could you speak to sort of the the partner sure. perspective of that shift? Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. The, the, it's different, right? It's definitely been changes now as um, parents in, in those regards and, one of the things I was a little, I don't say confused, but at first, so for me, I actually, my, I find Brianne very attractive in her, in her full, you know, feminine uh, motherhood, all that stuff. Right. So just watching her just care for the babies and, you know, and, and, you know, birth the baby, you know, even during pregnancy, I, I find it attractive in a different way, right? I just see her, you know, a different kind of attractive than like, you know, maybe when we were in our, in our 20s kind of thing and whatnot. But like, it's a different, uh, a different bond, right? A, a, a different emotional connection that goes with it as well. So however, she didn't necessarily feel all that attractive, right? So there's like this, we we're on like kind of different wavelengths. And especially after birth in the first month or two and and both times around where again, I, I just, I think it's just a deeper love really right now, new dynamic, new, new baby. I'm so like proud of her and like watching everything that went through. And again, there's, there's attraction there. And one of the, um, just, you know, with when Riker was born recently, a conversation that we had because, you know, a couple months go by and I'm looking to kind of get things started again, you know, kind of back to, back to normal. And she's not necessarily feeling that way at all. And um, there could be, we, I wouldn't say we had any like riffs or anything, but you know, we had some little get different feelings at certain times. But one of the things she said to me that made sense, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. She said, um, my body's just being used for different things right now. And just feels like, like it's just, that's the only thing it really wants to do. And it was the way she said it to me that time really made me like understand it better and respect it. I was like, Oh, okay. Like that makes sense. I get that. Right. She's breastfeeding. Right. She's just gone through delivering the baby. So she's been in pain down there for a while and all this types of stuff. She's carrying extra weight. She doesn't necessarily like just feel, you know, sexy. Right. And stuff like that. So, um, it can be, it, it, I, I can, yeah, like we've had some differences there and I'm sure that that's very common. Again, I just think it, the communication is really the key, right? Like, can you communicate about, it? can you be open about? It? Cause again, even her saying that one line changed my whole perspective on it. 
I wish you had told me earlier or at other times, right? But that's okay. Like once it said, it just finally clicked for me. Like, oh, that, that makes sense. And I, I get that. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, so now Riker's two and a half months old or whatever, and things are starting to kind of normalize and, and come back. And alone time is kind of a thing of the past now anyway, and, uh, and whatnot. But again, it's just kind of like, we're starting to just slowly work back towards a more romantic relationship, just time, just finding time to spend together to just talk and stuff is a, is a step. And like, we went out on a date, you know, Renly, we dropped Renly off at her in-law, uh, her parents the other night, we went out on a little date and like Riker was with us and stuff. But that was like the first time we even were able to do something like that in a while and just like start to bring the romantic connection back in slowly. Um, I've just, you know, I've had to be patient. I think she didn't necessarily feel like she's being as patient as I am because she's not really so, so into it at the time. But, you know, it's just something I have to learn to respect and, you know, as part of the process, I guess. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think um, two thoughts come to my mind. One is this, like that, that thing that she said to you is helping you not take it personally. Cause I think anytime that there's like a difference in libido and interest in sex in a relationship, whether it's a surrounding birth or not, it can feel really personal and it often almost all the time has nothing to do with the partner (laughs) has to do with what's going on for us. The other thing I'm thinking is just like kind of going back to the theme that has gone through this conversation about like our natural way as humans, as human beings, you know, as like mammals and thinking about how it makes sense that we are highly active sexually and then we get pregnant. And as just females, we are preventing our bodies from getting pregnant again because we have this little being that's nursing, like breastfeeding is a very... Um, biological process and and it decreases the hormones that make us want to have sex which makes tons of sense in a biological like caveman perspective Mm -hmm. but definitely creates some frustration in the modern monogamous marriage I think Mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting kind of like perspective on it that it's not personal and it's not forever it's just sort of the natural evolution of pregnancy right and and you're right and when like she said that to me you're right it made it feel like okay I'm not just it's not me necessarily um so that yeah it just feels better and then that allowed me to be like more patient about it more respectful about it and just like understanding of it yeah i love that um okay so as we wrap up i would love to have you give some sort of concrete tips speaking directly to the men and partners that are listening you've talked a lot about preparation i prepared i prepared i prepared you've talked a lot about the emotional side of the experience for you. If someone is listening right now and hasn't gone through this yet, what should they be doing? What, what like tangible things should they be doing? Is it a book you recommend? Is it a class? Is it something else? Yeah. So uh, the, the, when it comes to preparation, like so the first thing is I, I don't have any specific books or anything that I, I remember or I think I've read, I mean, the natural mama book was one that Brianne read that we kind of like read together. That was phenomenal. But I think just absorbing as much, con- you know, this kind of content as possible and hearing firsthand accounts to me, firsthand accounts in any of this kind of stuff is, are the most valuable. So if you see someone, you know, first, I'll speak to home birth first, cause that's a lot of times the one that people are really on the fence about. If you see someone that's had one posted picture book, reach out to them, ask them, can, can we do a little call? Can we meet for coffee? Can we do, you know, I'd like to hear more. 
and just just listen and um, listen to the experience and put yourself in those shoes based on their experience and ask them, could I handle that? Could you know? Would that does that sound more in line with what we believe, or does you know the more traditional sense or whatever? And then ask them the kind of this question: like, Where did they learn? Who did they talk to? Who did, you know? They'll probably have things to pass along as well. So I'd say that, and I'd say do it all with an open mind and ask yourself again, like I mentioned before, if there's fear coming up or uh, uh, I don't like that, not my my, my thing. Why? You know, wh why not? Um, what's the real fear there? Because in my experience with any of this kind of stuff is when you come to a decision, you come to a decision, but we don't want to make the decision out of fear, right? Like we, one way or the other. It doesn't want to be because I'm, I'm doing this because I'm scared of the other one or, or something like that, right? We want to say, this is what I choose because this is most aligned with, with my beliefs. Operating out of a sense of fear is just not going to bring us, you know, when things can potentially get hairy during birth and either way, if, if we're just acting out of fear all the time, uh, I, you know, this just normally does not end in the best possible scenario. And then in the preparation, I, I, did a lot of, I do a lot of meditation, not like always sitting still with my eyes closed for long periods of time kind of meditation, but just putting myself in, in visuals, like visualizing it, the birthing and it happening. And again, you know, trusting, but also putting, you know, okay, what if this doesn't, this goes wrong? What if she's having extreme pain and we have to transition? What if she's bleeding like crazy and out of nowhere and we're rushing to the hospital, right? Like, is is um, unlikely as that is, and as, as hard as that would be to kind of like think about. It's like, all right, if if it's a possibility or if it's something that is I'm afraid of, I should sit with that a little bit and ask myself, what am I going to do in those situations? Not necessarily, what am I physically going to do, but like, how am I going to conduct myself? Am I going to be able to stay calm and breathe and and trust it and make decisions rationally and communicate, or am I going to freak out and lose my mind? And um, that preparation was really important for me. And that's what kept me saying, you know, keep bringing me back to this has been done billions of times and, you know, it goes smoothly. And could something go wrong? Like, yeah, it could. But, you know, what am I going to do when that happens? And am I still going to trust that this will all work out and that she has everything she needs? Um, so I don't have any specific visuals, you know, meditations or anything. But you, I mean, just meditating, I think. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we need like the YouTube link, but like literally just, mm -hmm. I think a lot of men don't meditate and, mm -hmm. and maybe discover it later on in their lives yes. if at all. So yes. just basically basic meditation, basic connecting with your emotions and feelings, yes. like sitting with a fear is kind of foreign to some people, I think. Yeah, exactly. And again, uh, a lot of times I would just, you know, I'll just drive without the, you know, music on or just I'm thinking about the birth. And if I feel a feeling in my stomach of like, oh, yeah, it's getting close. Oh, yeah, it's I'm like I'm a little scared. Like, what, what's what's the feeling from? You know, what am I actually scared of? What, you know, is it just because it's, you know, I, and, you know, I'm nervous, a little nervous going in, obviously, like it's a big thing. It's a big, it's important, a exciting thing. Yeah. And with some some fear built in, of course, a little bit trying, trying not to, but like, I'm at least comfortable with what the fears are. Like I know what they are and what I'm most afraid of and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's really, really important. If every time those feelings come up, we just shove them away and distract ourselves or pick up our phone or whatever, we're not really making any progress. And uh, when the time comes, we could be thinking from that fear 
What I love about that, and I want to kind of address as our final point, is this toxic positivity that exists in the mm -hmm. natural birth space. And it, it riles me to no end. And I feel like I was a little bit of a victim of it myself for my first birth, because there was this sense of like, I think there was, for me, there was two different ideas that, I, that blended into one and I totally missed the point on it. So, mm -hmm. so this idea that we should keep ourselves in a positive mind space. So we shouldn't listen to horror stories. We shouldn't hear about every birth that went wrong and every mother mm -hmm. that died and like all these horrible, horrible things mm -hmm. that exist. We shouldn't bombard ourselves with that. So yes, there is this like need for positivity in our mental space surrounding our birth. But then there's this internal experience. And I think that in an effort to be positive and to have a positive outlook, a lot of people, and I'm totally guilty of this, like just anytime something negative kind of came up, I just shoved it away because it wasn't positive. So I shoved it away like the external thoughts that were coming at me. And that was wrong. It didn't actually serve me because I ended up then not being in tune with my feelings didn't and i wasn't listening more importantly i think to those fears those fears tell us things it's good information it's like sometimes those fears are coming up because something isn't right and we something beyond our brain you know like whatever deep wisdom and perception we have is is bringing it up as a fear because we're not paying attention to it yeah. Yeah. and so i'd love to hear just like a little bit about how you guys balance that not you know, not having these bad, you know, negative ideas enter your space while also being in tune with that internal. Experience. Yeah, yeah, really, that's, that's important. Um, yeah, I think that everything comes up internally is, is some kind of like message, right? It's like giving us this thing that we should be addressing, not like you said, just pushing away or just thinking positive, just like, don't think about it kind of attitude. But yeah, so like we didn't, I, I know you had the one, like the one call about the Netflix film that had this and this was not long before birth. So Brianne was like, you know, I'm not going to go on that call. I went on it because we just don't need to sit there and talk about like the, the potential downsides. We, we acknowledge them. We know they exist, but we don't need to necessarily be just like being bombarded with that, those feelings right now. But it, that's a different, that's different than pretending like they don't exist or it can't happen kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and I think, you know, this translates well into just all of life, right? That's like, it's not that, no, everything is going to be perfect all the time and nothing bad will ever happen. It's just that we have to uh, feel confident that when challenges arise and things go wrong and, or even tragedy, even tragedy happens, that I'm capable of, of dealing with it and handling it. Um, as long as I'm living in alignment with what I believe in, that I can even accept that if something goes tragically wrong, it was still the right decision. You know, it was still the right decision, right? It was still what I thought was best. Um, and that, that's, that's hard, right? Like I'm not expecting people to be able to do that easily. Um, but that's kind of how we have to, to see it, right? It's just that, it, it, you know, it's not just being positive. It's just being aware and, being aware, but, and finding strength and, and knowing, knowing our strengths, right? It's not just this thinking everything is rainbows and, and butterflies all the time, right? Um, so I don't know if that answers the question, but um, I think I'm glad that you brought it up because I think it's a very important part of the process. Yeah, I think it answers it perfectly. So awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off completely? Is there anything you feel like you missed or you want to 
kind of have a final message? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, but what I mentioned, reaching out, things like that, if there's anyone, the partner side or the mother side or anybody, you know, myself um, and Brianne uh, would be very open to sharing our, some more thoughts or, or anything like that. And you can find me on Instagram. I think it's best. B Costello underscore O two three. That's the name of my company. O two three holistic systems. And she's at, uh, at B R I E N N. Yeah, Green. that's right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'd love to talk and connect and just, uh, or, you know, see if we can help in any way. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian. This was awesome. You're so great. Cool. Thanks for taking the time to have this conversation and send my love to Brianne and Riker and Renly. How is everybody doing, by the way? Everyone's great. Everything's good. We're settling into the new, the new dynamic. Um, Normal. (laughs) Normal. Yeah. It's, it was hectic. It's still hectic, but we, uh, it's expected to be hectic now. Like we get it. Um, But Renly's still the, the, the main, uh, she's the, the full-time job. Riker seems easy, you know, Riker's kind Riker's of, easy right now. Yeah, it's so funny, right. like, when you have a newborn, the first time just one, it feels so overwhelming. And then when you have a second one, you're like, oh, my God, newborns are so easy compared to toddlers. Two-year-old, yeah. <laughs> yes, I learned that really quick. Um, but, yeah, it's great. And she, she loves him. She's always hugging him and kissing him. He's so cute. He's so little. You know, like doing this. Like, so she's great with them. It's awesome. Oh, I love it. That's so great. Cool. All right. Well, send my love to everybody. This was so great. And have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Brian. Bye.